The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain. Want to make a podcast? Let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters, and it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by bogeydope.com. Are you interested in a career in aviation, whether that be in the military or civilian? Bogeydope.com not only has a suite of courses, but they have a whole lineup of coaches that are there to help guide you through the process. As most of you know, when it comes to aviation, your dream job, you might only get one shot at it, so you don't want to mess it up right out the gate. Let Bogey Dope and their team help you through the process. Both Bender and Vader are fighter pilots in the Garden Reserve, and I think they can attest to just how difficult it is to become a fighter pilot or any kind of pilot in the Garden Reserve. It's very selective, and you might only get one shot. So when it comes to it, knowing how to rush a unit, what to wear, how to do a resume, interview prep, bogeydope.com can take you through not only that, but a whole slew of other things. You can click the link down in the show notes below and you can use the code afterburn for 5% off at bogeydope.com. The Afterburn podcast is brought to you by Wingman Watches. Wingman Watches founded by a fighter pilot. They make some incredible timepieces. I've talked about them quite a bit, but if you're interested in an awesome timepiece, you can swing over to Wingman Watch or click the link down below. You can build a custom timepiece. If you use the code RAIN10, you get 10% off something that's currently out there. If you mention my name, you'll get a discount on the build. That's wingmanwatch.com. Altitude. Altitude. Tower to my fixes. Release you. Runway 4 left. Wind 0 4 0 at 5. Clear for takeoff. Seat tied. Altitude is eyes. We're clear for takeoff. Clear for the airspace. Fire protector. What's up and thanks for listening in. This is a little bonus episode. Hopefully it becomes more recurrent, but a bro chat with Vader and Bender. If you remember, we chatted back in July. They've launched the Kodiak Shack podcast, which I encourage you to check out. That's linked down in the show notes. I have an episode dropping on Friday with Jocko Trimble, who is a former F-4 driver. He was the last U.S. Air Force F-4 shot down in Vietnam and spent 90 days in captivity. Quite an amazing individual. That was a great conversation. That drops on Friday. That is available currently and has been for Patreon supporters a little bit early. And as always, thank you to my Patreon supporters for keeping the podcast going. If you're looking to support the podcast, you can click the Patreon link down below, pick up some swag down in the link below as well or just swing over to itunes and drop a rating review all of that helps the podcast out and keeps me going with that being said let's jump into the episode with vader and bender well we can cut out the first couple of seconds anyway so this should be pretty easy we should all maybe take a turn and then we'll pick the best one there you go i like that <laughs> it's gonna be rain hey welcome everybody to uh this is episode one of bender's first hack at a podcast 
I have my special guest Rain here. Who I mean, this is a big deal for me to land Rain on my first episode. Uh, obviously, that that's a big deal. And then Vader to boot. I mean, I'm excited for all of you guys who get to listen to this. It's going to be awesome. But we got Rain, Vader, and then I'm Bender, your uh, host for this special episode of the Afterburn slash Kodiak Shack slash Bender's podcast. I got to come up with a better name than that. But yeah. uh, <laughs> we're just going to talk, I guess. All right, Vader, your turn. All right. Hey, uh, everybody. <laughs> welcome to Perfect. the Kodiak Shack podcast featuring the Bender podcast and oh, the uh, Afterburn po- podcast. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about maybe some innovation stuff, maybe a uh, rain story for all of uh, rain's fans. So you can hear uh, what his experience or what it was like being a student of rain when he was a fape and uh, and maybe some current right. events, innovation. We got a lot on a lot on the table. Rain, you're up. So the. So the intro I'm using is literally from the first second where Bender said, we can just cut out the intro and like, it's going to be this whole thing. So mission accomplished. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's exciting to be able to, to do this. It's uh, kind of challenging to align our three schedules, especially with Bender, you know, out there with like a whole baseball team. And then Vader is learning how to fly a big old fat plane. So me, I'm just putzing around with two little twins yeah two little old, twins so. that's harder than seven kids easily i don't i don't even know how like i mean, i don't even know how you guys did it because bender has twins again plus a baseball team <laughs> I think you're mixing your sports i feel like I, I, they're, they're turning they're turning a year in like a week and i feel like they've been around for 10 years so <laughs> yeah. yeah no i feel like super easy well heck we we yeah. had our third <laughs> And we only had one. It was not twins. And we're still like, man, how do people do this? Granted, I left like three weeks later to go to the TX. So really, it's my wife doing everything, uh, which is pretty standard, <laughs> you know, Fab. I feel bad for her. That's it's the Air Force way. I'm sure she's super happy with you right well, now. And it's great because we're like, we're getting out of the military. We're getting out of the active duty Air Force. It's too busy. I'm never home. And then I go to the guard to leave for four and a half months to then have a month TDY to Germany, which is going to be awesome. And then a three month TSP, uh, to, uh, Virginia. So I was like, yeah, this is active duty all over again. Yeah. And how old is August? He's he's like four weeks, right? Uh, yeah, he's, uh, Uh, yeah. So we're going on six weeks now, but yeah, he's, uh, he's small, he's bulking up. So that's good. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you want. That's right. And yeah. you're a month into the TX. Uh, no, a week I've uh Tuesday. A so week. this last oh. Tuesday I started and, yeah. uh, it's you been can't wild. say that we got to cut that out though. The IPs know that you're doing podcasts when you should be studying. Ops that's true. Well, turns out all be I've upset. been doing is studying and my ground ops are <laughs> mediocre at best, but I assume that's most TXers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. what well, it's funny. <laughs> I assume you guys have kind of experienced some of this over the years of kind of doing transition courses or just changing, you know, from a FAPE to another platform is I, when I was the instructor, like doing seed academics for like, Oh, it's a three hour course and then talking and I'm engaged the whole time. And then now that I'm the student in the audience, I'm like barely staying awake while the instructor's talking and he's engaged. But as a student, I'm just like, Oh man, these systems are destroying my life right now. That's brutal. We should say too, TX, we keep saying TX, that's transition course. So Vader is going from the F-16 to the F-15. He's taking a step down, <laughs> wrong direction, but you know, that's a life choice. The, 
How many people are in your class? Uh, there are three dudes doing the TX1G, which is, uh, I think it's 18, 18 sorties, maybe 20 sorties. Um, but yeah, it's, it is, uh, it's pretty chill. It's a strike Eagle dude, but he's been out of the jet for like six years, five years. So he's not current. And then eight, 10 guy. And then you see all the C model guys kind of wince when they're like, a ten, ooh, like that's gonna. <laughs> this is gonna hurt for you. But, <laughs> yeah, it oh, is. yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny because they're like, oh, you know, it's it's the same motor. I mean, it's the Pratt and Whitney two twenty motor. Which when you only have one of them in a Block forty two F sixteen, you're like, this thing's a liability. Uh, apparently, the C model accelerates <laughs> extremely rapidly. But it, uh, but yeah, so it's it's got the Pratt and Whitney two twenties and uh, it has a fire bottle. It has multiple generators it's i mean it's got a lot of stuff that makes learning the systems kind of a nightmare but apparently as a pilot is very enjoyable so <laughs> it's all steam gauges still well, right uh, they yeah. actually they actually have more screens uh but it's the standard uh like center display unit in the f-16 where one just repeats the other one and you're like ah. Okay, you know, but yeah, it's the the jets they're flying up here are the the old mechanically scanned radar, uh, but it's still like a massive radar with a ton of power. So it it puts the APG six sixty eight and the F sixteen to shame, but it uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. They you know the way the flight controls and everything work. What I was surprised at. So do you guys remember what the ramp weight of the F sixteen is? Like 41,000 pounds is it? That was nope, like the max, that's right? That's like some 35. Well, yeah, but before, like, just loaded at no oh, like zero weapons. Wasn't it like 29,000? Yeah, 27 or something, right? 27. Yeah, okay. that sounds right. So the, yeah, depends e on the, motor, the, right? the Eagle, the F-15C, is 29,000 pounds ramp weight. And I was like, how is it that light? It's massive, and really? it's 2,000 pounds heavier than the F-16 without gas. And I was like, that's cool. Huh. Maybe I got that's my numbers wrong. No, like it sounds right. Cause I was thinking, you know, doing demo, right. The jet weighed 29, one with gas in it, you know, 28,000 pounds of thrust. So about that, but then I also remember like the number of six me is like 43, two for max weight yeah. with, you know, like a combat loadout. When you, but yeah. that, that seems super light. Well, and I guess when you think about it that way, then if it's 29, one full of gas, with no external yeah, bags. So it's 22 or 23 ramp. Yes. Yeah, so I guess that makes sense. So it's 23,000 ish pounds with no gas. So I guess that makes sense. Cause the, cause yeah, I would, I thought the F 16 was like no gas 29. And I was like, how are they the same weight with one, a wingspan of 33 feet and one, a wingspan of 42 feet. But it's cause it's like a solid wing, you know, it doesn't have like leading edge flaps, trailing edge flaps. It's literally like a ton of hydraulics. Wait, it doesn't have, either of those two things so this is like because i'm c model guy now i mean i've never actually flown but i am <laughs> in the tx but uh, so it is a solid wing it has other than <laughs> flaps and ailerons the wing is a one solid piece and this is again aerodynamically like as pilots you know because obviously we're all pretty much aero majors um, naturally <laughs> the <laughs> the uh, so the wing was built to like fly at 100 knots at you know, a thousand feet off the ground and also fly at Mach two at 40,000 feet. And it's just like, it stalls at different spots and different, you know, so it's, it's the standard, like true aero pilots wing. It's just, it was built 
really well, I guess. Again, I'm a geography major, so I don't I actually say, know. That's just what I was thinking. Some aerospace majors listening to this and they're like, these guys are idiots. And they're like, yeah. yes, that's valid. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I'll stay in my lane. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You push it forward, it goes fast. Pull up, blue sky, push down green. You know, depends what you want. Yeah. Pretty much. Except for you can <laughs> over G. This is the first plane that you'll have flown that can over G, right? That's yeah, true. Can, and, it, but, and it tells on you. Oh yeah. Yeah. It actually says, I, I told them they need to upgrade. So it's not just like a robotic sound, like over G it's gotta be like over G, you know, like something <laughs> out of, uh, like, um, some video game, but yeah, it's, it gives you in the HUD, your instantaneous G available. So if you're too fast oh. or you have like asymmetric like inputs. So if you have some aileron, you'll just watch like nine G's go to like, like six and a half. And you're like, well, that's, so hopefully I don't pull too many G's, but yeah. you have a beeper and stuff. So, but you can accelerate into <laughs> yeah, an over G. Yeah, surely fine. Yeah, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, the first over, yeah, the first over G is free, they say. So that's good. Uh, that's good. I got in the B1 yeah. sim and it does something like that. It's like a breathing G, which I think the T38C eventually, like maybe yeah. incorporated logic, but I was in the B1 sim and I over G'd it every single time I turned. Cause you know, like it would change <laughs> something. And again, there's some, it's a two G limit, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and again, like yeah. you like, I'm just going to do a nice, easy 15 degree bank and over G over G like <laughs> can't do anything in this plane. It's terrible. Yeah. It's like when you ask my mission planning, like how long's your spin? And they're like three minutes. You're like, I don't think so. How long yeah. is your spin? Yeah. <laughs> you're not over G yeah. spin. I don't need six minutes. Yeah, so yeah. That's what I thought. Better, better safe than sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So the, uh, how's, how's the mighty F 35 there, Bender? It's so good. It's pretty good. It's been fun. Had a, had a busy week through a couple times. Uh, what did we do this week? So we did, we do the same. I always feel like I complain about the F-35, so I'm going to take a different approach. It's a cool jet. It does awesome stuff. It's got skinny little legs. Uh, like, nice. Yeah. <laughs> like shots and stuff. We have, uh, we've talked about the training, the embedded training, and how like crappy it is. So funny story, I suppose. We were doing, it was a guy's upgrade. So we do a lot of mission commander stuff. So he's like a new flight lead. But he's also getting his like mission commander look. Yeah. Uh, so it's eight blue and four red plus the IAD, so all the search there missile layout. And we use embedded training, which is the synthetic threats that the F-35 can kind of generate. But there's limitations. So only you can only have four people on the same scenario at the same time. So each force ship has to run their own individual uh, scenario. And then if that breaks down, then each individual airplane has to run their own individual scenario. And then for each, so there's always a host. The things, the threats can only shoot the host, I think is how it works. Anyway, it's, there's a lot of limitations to it, bottom line. But the worst part is if you try to run it and it doesn't run, you have to reset it. And then it changes your, it changes your loadout back to a preset loadout. So we're like <laughs> at push time, push across the line, getting ready to shoot some stuff. And the flight lead, who's a new flight lead, is like, Ah, ET's not working. I'm going to reset it real quick. So he resets it as we're trying to like get ready to drop bombs. But it it takes all your bombs away, reloads bombs that you don't want, and then changes all your profiles. <laughs> so 
we did it no kidding five different times this flight lead <laughs> reset the et thing <laughs> and by the last one i'm like i don't care what weapon gets loaded on my airplane like i'm just gonna drop whatever it is on whatever is out there uh so it was it was pretty painful but i, I don't think we had one maybe there was like one badly dropped bomb with the correct <laughs> weapon weapon your profile you know everything else is like whatever just pickle we'll it, see what happens it's something it went off the so, jet I didn't realize yeah. this. Uh, yeah, it, it pretended to go off the jet. I uh, so I did an episode with Mace that just came out my last one I released, but we're talking piddle packs and Billy Flynn, yeah, who yeah. is the you know chief test pilot for the F thirty five. I had him on previously, and he sent me an email about it. He was saying that the piddle pack is not authorized in the F thirty five. Guys still use it, and gals, I guess. But you guys have some special magical system. Is that true? There is a special magical system. It involves suction, so nobody touches the thing. And I'm pretty sure you have to like it's like a suitcase. You gotta like carry it around. It might even like filter out your urine so you can drink it or something. Probably. But we just use pill packs. And you have to completely unstrap because you have the like the center piece of your whole like all the straps go in right over your lap. So there's no access to uh, anatomical parts, if you will, unless you take everything off. So it's like it's the five point harness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're flying it's like two point fives. Seven point yeah. harness. It's Only a seven the point best. Harness. It has little arm ones that bring your arm in. That's where you get that extra tube. It's it's funny yeah. you talk, it's funny the way you talk about that ET, uh, because uh, I've heard other 35 pilots talk about it and maybe they just don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Cause they're like, yeah, it's great. You can do all these things. It's amazing. It's one of the best training things we have. Like, why do you even need emitters when you have <laughs> training like this? Uh, and then I always think back to like the way you talk about it and I'm like, Oh man, I wonder maybe, maybe it's somewhere in the middle, but I trust your perspective more having <laughs> fought TMTs and it's understanding not it. in the middle. <laughs> I, that was my positive spin of the ET. Yeah. The, uh, good, the uh, bullet, I don't know his last name. He's a, he's a captain wingman who transitioned from the C model. He's out at Hill with you. Yeah. I think I met bullet. He was just up here. He did some F 35 capes brief. So, um, so I was, that was interesting. Nice. Yeah. ET. Well, I, I don't know how much. I don't know. Apparently there's some new versions that people have modified in other countries that are way better than <laughs> ours. So I think we're going to buy like from the Dutch, a better version of our own program. Nice. Well, so, have you seen this thing that red six is working on? I read a little bit about it, but I don't, yeah, Ray, I, don't hear about I, it. I don't know if you've looked into it at all. Uh, it sounds, I mean, like, it almost reminds me of those old like air force commercials where it's like, it's not, it's not yeah. uh, science fiction. Like it's, you know, whatever those were it's legitimately, they will, you will fight BFM like visual maneuvering against an, a virtual construct through your helmet that's out the window. So you like offensive high aspect, whatever BFM and they are, you're going to legit just, fight it straight up visual maneuvering, not like, Hey, this thing's super far away and the computer knows it's there so I can shoot it. It's like, I look out the window and I'm watching it fly in relation to me. And I was like, I have so many questions. Like I don't, you know, the jet can barely handle the processing that's going on now, right. let alone creating this like AR thing. It's gotta be augmented like in the helmet or, or some kind of like 
This I, so funny. I had Bond, who is the CEO of Red Six, on the podcast. One of my first oh, episodes and nice. episode 007. That's call sign Bond. But because uh, nice. he, he, he oh, has a very perfect. interesting story. Tornado driver, first Raptor exchange from the Brits. But he didn't have a very good, he, he had some challenges in his upbringing that he overcame. So we talked a lot about that. And then Red Six had just kind of, it had been around, but he talked about how he got his plane and it kind of came about. And then I saw what it was like two weeks ago, Boeing with the T7 and the F-15EX signed some kind of big contract to, I guess, take it into the T7 and uh, into the F-15EX, I suppose. I got into the T7 sim at Oshkosh, which, you know, building on like the TMT from the Viper and being able to, you know, practice against you know, building simulated emitters to go out there, train and fight. sounds like obviously the F-35 has, you know, another version that's come along, but this, that's the way it has to develop in order to kind of present enough problems for guys to go out there and solve because there's just not enough like either metal you can throw in the air or enough emitters you can put on the ground to actually replicate very complex problems really i mean bender over there in his fifth gen world like he needs some really really complex stuff to go out there to make him a really sharp tool so to speak yeah NSA two actually will do it for us (laughs) (laughs) say no more (laughs) Yeah, but the, uh, but yeah, red six, I mean, the problem is you look at, again, looking at it from a Jehemix user where you could align the thing on the ground, then in the air. And it's still not exactly where the plane is. You look out the window and it's like, Hey, the, the target location is not where it actually is. And now I'm going to do augmented reality training off of that. Like you need a new helmet, you need better visuals. Like it's a big, it's a big lift, but I mean, if red six does it, I hope so. Cause that would be, I mean, there could be some cool training there. Bender's yeah. You got to think how much red yeah. air training they would save. Yeah. But you I know, want, like $35,000 an hour. Yeah. Well, I have 35 spread air. And you'd say that's probably like good enough to like, you know, like, Oh, it's not quite in the exact spot in space that it should be, but it's again, saving us $5 billion and flying hours or whatever <laughs> it is. Like the training's good enough. Is your helmet better than the Jehemix vendor? Uh, in some ways, I think so. I, I don't see your red dot anymore, right? I don't know if we lost your recording or not. But, yeah. I'm not, uh, again, there's so many backups here. Like, no one needs to see my face. <laughs> not worried about it. It'd be cool if we were just answering questions that weren't actually asked on the recording. <laughs> that would be pretty fun. Uh, but, so, yeah, I, so it aligns pretty well. So, as far as like metal, that's probably more of a function of how good metal is, which is our inner flight data link, you know? Uh, so it's like links, we have link 16 also, but then we have our F 35 specific data link. That's like spot on. That's like that thing sits on the helmet of your wingman. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's pretty good. And, it, and the refresh rate is obviously really fast. So it's, that's really accurate. As far as one of the really frustrating things, and I don't, I would have to be interesting to hear actually how it's been going at, like Tindall shoots and stuff, but for a while they, for the first whatever banner shoots they did, they could not hit the banner with the F thirty five gun because they the alignment of the helmet and where the bullets were going, they don't those things don't match up. So if you put your pipper 
on something on like the ground. Say if you're doing like high angle strafe. So I've done this before. If I aim at the tank that I'm trying to shoot, I will miss the tank. But if I put my <laughs> next to shoot, which is what we call like our, you know, our target or whatever, what would we call that in your SPI? Right. Yeah. Something like yeah. That. If I put that over the tank and it could be like off to the right of my actual like display, but if I just put the pipper on the green goo that I generated for my target pod, then it'll shack the tank. So anyway, you just got to get used to not shooting at things that you see. Yeah. Shoot at the green stuff. It's, it's, then it's, it's super <laughs> easy. It sounds disorienting. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not made for Cassie either. So to try to like generate your own shootable, like target on the ground is that's pretty tough to do. I did. Well, see, it I makes know, sense though. Cause it's, it's a borside air. Yeah. That'd be yeah. It, it's the, it's air, you know, the standard, like, Oh, I have to do a, a tape title and a like HUD check yeah. because the borside's oh, not yeah. perfect. I remember and then every single pilot is going to sit in a different position. <laughs> so yeah, yeah borsight can almost always be wrong. Oh, that's right. It is. And, but it's a nail driver when you, there's no, I don't think there's a mill dispersion like there is in the Viper gun. So it doesn't like really? spread the bullets out. So it's like, if you put the thing on the thing and you track, shoot, track and don't move much. I mean, the bullets are just like do, 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 follow each other into their own hole, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Unless, unless you're missing. So you're either spot on. <laughs> yeah. or you're just I mean, like the hole might not be away. on the thing that you're shooting at. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, the bender, blow up, I think, so that helps. Wasn't it your GBU-12 that dudded but knocked the motor out of the uh, engine compartment on our first deployment? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the most expensive bongo truck in the entire world. We, put <laughs> a, we dropped a GBU-54, and it hit, like, just a couple feet to the side, so it blew it off the road as it was driving, which is awesome. So the guys got out, and they all, like, ran, and then we took care of them, and then we came back to finish off the bongo truck or whatever. So I dropped a GBU 12. So the second bomb and it shacked right through the engine compartment and just put this massive hole where the, the motor used to be in the JTAC. Like not good enough. That thing needs to be nothing. <laughs> like it's not going to work anymore. I said, like it does not yeah. have a front end. Like, nope, <laughs> it's got to go off high order. So we put another GBU 12 on it and it was gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm like three bomb. That was a $700,000 bongo truck right there. <laughs> <laughs> Upgrade. Uh, yeah, I got I gained a lot of respect for the for GB12s though. Like when I yeah. saw yeah. how accurate they could be, I was like, I have no questions. Like this is a solid bomb if you do your job right. Yeah, I thought they were nail drivers. We stopped dropping them. We dropped them like yeah. halfway through our deployment. Then the winter came because as we like cha- ripped out Bender there and you know the whole Middle East. Uh, but and Vader, Vader was there yeah, too. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Gosh, man, isn't that crazy that we that was what eight years ago i was like eight years ago almost to the yeah. day as we're talking about yeah it. almost to the day right oh that's wild Ooh. time flies when you're having fun yeah you guys really you i've talked about another podcast you guys were really uh kind of like busy can you switch gears from kind of a ct training deployment to oh hey there's a thing called isis and now you guys need to go protect the embassy in baghdad for 10 hours at a time or however insane you guys were flying and then launching into Syria, just getting after it. 
Well, I literally, I remember cause we were, we were trying to do a naming for our flight dock. Uh, and we had some solid names that would never go through, but we had really good names that we wanted <laughs> to name. Them. Uh, but they were like, Hey, this one, you could still leave base. And they were like, go get a ton of shawarma. We're going to have a squadron event. So I go and I pick up like three platters of just ton of shawarma and, and hummus and everything. And the first person I see is my flight commander, smack ball sizer. And, uh, he's like, you've been in crew rest for two hours. And I was like, <laughs> understood. And, uh, cause it was like, we are going like, you know, dawn, like, you know, before dawn, like lights out crossing the border. He was like, that's happening just so you know. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, I was, I was still the first Lieutenant when this all was going down and I was like, okay, here we go. Right place, so, right time. Wow. Hey, I want to, yeah. You should tell me about your first thinking that night, David. I remember, that, I remember I was on the radio. That, <laughs> like, that was a significant emotional event. Was it spicy? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, well, yeah, oh yeah. Well, again, you know, it's, it, life is tough when you're bad at your job. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so we're, I mean, we just flown from Japan to Singapore, Singapore to the Middle East. And I mean, we tanked a ton of times. I mean, tanking was not uncommon at this point. Uh, but now we're like fully combat loaded out. Uh, you know, we've got four or 500 pound bombs, like live weapons, you know, guns full. And we literally like not again, like this is combat. It's not training. We're in tactical line of breath. So we're about a mile and a half, two miles separated, three and four, about two, three miles in trail. Also a couple miles separated and crossing into like into country. Like we turn all of our lights off, all of our everything. And so we like, you can't even see each other. I was like, I don't, I don't think this is safe at all, but whatever, you know, I'm just, no, I'm just number two. So we rejoin on the tanker and, uh, cause bingo was pretty high, you know, bingo was like, so fuel you had to go home with was like 5,500 pounds or something. And so, um, so we get to the tanker and then our squadron commander, like he gets his gas obviously. Cause he's like a uh, black border patch. He's, he's been doing this all the time. He was probably drinking a diet Coke while getting gas. <laughs> uh, and it's like <laughs> four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was, that was my only job. He was like, your job is to ensure I have diet Cokes. And I was like, okay. Um, but so <laughs> as we're, he gets gas. So it's one and two on the left wing, three and four on the right wing, one gets gas. And then he kind of proceeds outboard of me as I'm now on the tanker's wing. Uh, and then I go to get gas and you know, I, I kind of like move forward. It's nighttime. So you like flip the MVGs up and, uh, and I can't get gas. Like I move forward and it's like return to stern. So I like move back. Uh, and then I like move forward again and he's like, return to stern. So I do this like three or four times. And then <laughs> the squadron commander, uh, is like, Hey, get out of the way. Let three and four get their gas. So I move out of the way. And while I'm waiting for three and four to get their gas, uh, my bingo warning goes off and, I just go on the aux radio. I say one, two, bingo. And he goes, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> so, I mean, I'm the mayor of cockpit city. Theoretically, my job is to go home right now, which I don't, uh, because I'm like, well, he would have told me. Um, so three and four get gas and he's like, all right, two, get in there and get your gas. And, uh, so I, I get back over there and now I'm about 4,000 pounds of gas. And, uh, so like, yeah. Odds are who, who knows. So I move forward and, uh, they say return to stern. So I back up again and then I look down and I'm at 3,200 pounds of gas. 
And I should have gone home with about 5,000 to 5,500 pounds of gas. So the, the odds of me making it back to our base is very low. And we're, we're relatively close to Baghdad at this point. So I was like, I might end up in Baghdad, like legitimately. And uh, so like, cause as a wingman, you never really say these things, you know, you don't really talk on the radio, you know, it's like to lead your own fire, you know, that kind of stuff. And I like go on the primary radio with, to talk to the tanker. And I was like, dude, I really need gas. Like I, I said those exact words and I move <laughs> forward and then we plug in and then I get gas. And then I literally didn't fall off the tanker for another like four and a half years. And, uh, <laughs> so it was one of those things, like whatever it was, it just like, it clicked. And then, uh, and then we, you know, we tank like 200 times in like two and a half months after that. But yeah, it was it was a harrowing experience and I never understood how harrowing it was until I told my wife that story and she's like <laughs> tears streaming down her face. And I was like, Ooh, geez, that's bad. Yeah. The self-preservation piece of that. Uh, there's a couple aspects you can take yeah. apart. Bender, do you remember it was the gamblers deployment? Well, I was the demo guy, but I was a safety chase for one of the elements. I think it was like a, was it like a six ship, six ship, four ship was like the plan, the different cells. And there was, you know, like two ground spares, two air spares and a safety chase for each formation. And I was the safety chase for the first element or first formation. And like, of course I crank and I'm the first jet that's good. Everyone else is red ball, red ball, red ball. So they're calling maintenance. So I'm like, I'm just going to go taxi. I went and taxi down a demo to get out of the way. But that was the night. We'll see. I, so no, I was the second formation and I air spared or I didn't air spare for it. I safety chased forward like the first element just to go. But do you remember what happened with like the, was it the second element where they ended up launching? They're supposed to have nine jets. They launched 10 jets. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You would tell the story better than I would. Give to you. Well, I was Advon, so I, I was already in country, but when everybody finally got to Afghanistan, they're like, dude, you've got to hear this story. But apparently, uh, it was the second. Yeah, I can't because there were three cells of six. We had 18 jets. Someone scraped the stabs anyway, off the jet or the uh, yeah, the so that was one guy. Ooh. Yep. That was, so that was bad. So he got put on an airplane to be ferried over as not the pilot <laughs> so, <laughs> but he made it in the country it was a really bad that was like the worst aos probably of all time that's valid but yeah it was number it was number uh six in the second cell got confused so there's three number sixes out there and there's three <laughs> different formations of six and so, <laughs> bottom line they get confused on which cell is actually blasting because there's so much trauma and so the second cell launches with seven airplanes, unbeknownst to all of them, until they get on the tanker. And they're like, okay, number six, it's your turn. And two airplanes like, go to get gas. Uh, or whatever. Yeah, it must have been number fives or, or not. Fives. I guess it was probably sixes. It was, anyway, it was, it was so, sixes. It was definitely sixes. I do. It was sixes, I think. Yeah, Wingman, yeah. yeah it wasn't fives. It was sixes. <laughs> Uh, so the, the original six was like, uh, one, <laughs> like, there's somebody else is trying to get gas right now. And he's like, six is on the boom or whatever. Like all authoritative, like six is getting gas. He's like, I'm number six. Like, Negative. <laughs> I'm number six. Like, oh, and then the finally he's like, what is happening? Cause they have like zero idea like that any of this has happened until, and this is like two 30 in the morning or whatever. 
like approaching Ugh. New Hampshire, wherever they're yeah. trying to go to. And so eventually they're like, they're like, just say your name. Like, who are you? And he's like, I'm this person. I'm this person. And he's like, okay, you're not supposed to be with us, but you're already on the boom. So get your gas. The original number six, turn back, <laughs> like go back to the next seller, whatever. And so he got kicked out of his original formation and had to go fly back and find the next formation. It was a train wreck, like full train wreck, like the entire way. I, uh, uh, but yeah, I can't imagine. Eventually, we got 18 jets in theater. Yeah. <laughs> Going the, home was only a little bit better. <laughs> it's like what people don't realize is happening at like three o'clock in the morning on the Eastern seaboard is, you know, these. Yeah. I don't know. I guess over a billion dollars worth of jets are flying, you know, to go over to the Middle East and shenanigans. I, uh, <laughs> oh, that was such a bad, that was such a bad, it could have been so bad, you know, that, uh, yeah. But hey, you just stay visual and don't do it. I remember out of that too, remember there's all these like this configuration discussion of what the, what the actual limitations are of that configure, configuration yeah. going cross country. So for those listening to the, obviously the Viper can be configured differently with different bombs, missiles, pods, et cetera. And that changes the max G available, the max speed available, et cetera. Well, normally like a cross country config, like you'd fly around the demo, you'd have some fake wingtip missiles, which you need for wingtip flutter. Again, some aerospace engineer out there is having an aneurysm. Uh, but you're limited 0.95 <laughs> Mach for the travel pod and then five G's for that too. But this configuration, I remember, was 0.85 limited. And it's like, eh, kind of like sometimes like, eh, there's an engineering, you know, 150% in there, I'm sure. Like, it's not really 0.85. That's pretty slow. So I'm the last dude taking off as the safety chase. And I'm going 0.85. And the plane is shaking violently to the point where I pull my flashlight out and I look at the wings to like make sure they're still <laughs> attached and pieces aren't flying off of them. And I have, you know, I'm, I'm locked, radar locked in trail. And the string is just, and you're, you know, I got the link. So you see it like the flight leads over Myrtle Beach. I'm leaving Shaw. We're strung out like 80 miles trying to work this rejoin. Everyone else is, you know, facilitating the rejoin. And I'm at 0.85. I'm like, there's no angles you guys are working. You're all in a straight line, yet somehow you have this closure. So you like lock them up and you see their speed and you see your speed. You're like, huh, well, it's slightly faster than I'm going right now. But I remember that configuration sucked, whatever it was and whatever the limitation was. But I think it was for like the. Yeah, yeah. when, I, when yeah. I know a lot of it was like, it was probably a WOM, but it's like, no, it's only 0.85 if it's on the wing, yeah. if it's under the belly, it's, you know, and you're like, I feel like we're making stuff up so we can go 0.9. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, I think well, the whole, speaking there, there's of, some memo out there. I think some waiver that existed on somebody's iPhone somewhere. They're just forwarding yeah. around to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I went with, uh, you know, Vader, if you met Rush Fulkerson, he was a fape I don't think when so. you're going through the 41st. Yeah. And then he was a tiger at Shaw and then one of the test pilot school. Great dude. Uh, but his job at after TPS at one point, like he was responsible for the F-16-2. Again, for those listening, that thing is like 700 pages thick. And it is all the speeds, max, you know, all the configuration limitations for everything imaginable in the F-16. It, I mean, it's insane just the amount of data that goes in there. But you have to have a PhD to read that thing, in my opinion. And probably still uh, yep. to this day, 
if you ask someone when the jet is full up nine G's with an HTS pod on the chin, you will get different answers from different people like, oh, yeah, when tanks are dry or no, it's when it's five point eight. Like no one knows. God knows how many times the jet has been and pods been over G'd and asymmetrically over G'd. I remember asymmetric over G. That was like thing that like popped up towards the end of my demo days. I asymmetrically over G'd one like a boss one day. Which hack the OG? You calls. probably asymmetrically over G every day. Yeah, I mean, I try to pull pull straight through. I remember a hack. He called me one day. He goes, "Hey, do you remember the sortie on this date and this date?" And I'm like, "Uh, it was a weekend." So I'm like, "Well, it was an air show." And I, you look at him. I was like, "Evans was like, yeah, you asymmetrically over G like da 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 da." I'm like, "Huh? Well, I mean, I I could see that being a possibility. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe once or twice." But it looked good, right? I guess that's right. The people were happy. They're down there clapping. (laughs) Everyone was cheering freedom, you know? (laughs) Well, I think the F-16, because it doesn't tell on you, you know, it doesn't say like, all right, party's over, go home. I mean, well, in the counter hops, you're like pulling, you know, you're turning across the adversary's tail. You don't unload and roll and reset your (laughs) lift vector. You just do a loaded roll at like six and a half Gs. And I'm pretty sure that's above the asymmetric G limitations, but you know, you got to win. Probably rolling into the BSA pattern. You're probably asymmetrically over G, you know, like into the well, break. Especially my BSA. My BSA was never good, you know. You don't have to worry about that the, now in the Eagle. You can't say the word bomb, I don't think. That's right. Dave, it seems like they've gotten a little more used to it. But yeah, it's, uh, I try not to bring that stuff up. You know, I'm just like, yeah, you know, I'm one of the happy guys to be now. here, proud to serve. You got your chalk, uh, throw away all your whiteboard stuff. Le- so I, I don't know if you're joking, but it's like I know, legitimately <laughs> there are chalkboards in the rooms to like literally chalk things up. Are there, are there whiteboards? Like, okay. Do people use whiteboards? At uh, all? There are both. So oh. at Fresno, it's like you look at one wall and it's a chalkboard. Yeah. You look at the other wall and it's a whiteboard. And I'm like, there you go. And they have computers. So it's got like, you know, 40 years of fighter technology in one room. <laughs> what, what if? <laughs> I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I walked into the Raptor vault for a WESOP at Tyndall before it got wiped off the face of the earth. And I do remember seeing whiteboards and chalkboards. And I was like, this is insane. Chalk. I don't even know who, like who makes chalk anymore. Yeah. Do you get multicolored chalk? Yeah. Yeah, you, you could, can. right? It yeah, is. I am certain of it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it in person. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, yeah, do they have it, chalk holders like we do, like with their names on it and everything? I haven't seen chalk holders. They have the same like pen, like whiteboard marker holders. But yeah, I've I I jokingly said I was going to bring like a bunch of sidewalk chalk and like but just like buckets. <laughs> but you know, I, I won't actually do that. I'm not trying to make enemies. I know people who are listening to this who are not fighter pilots probably don't get it. But again, little backstory here. Like I don't know, maybe around like the turn of the century when whiteboards became a thing for like the rest of the world the air force and the fighter community migrated away from chalkboards and used whiteboards, except for the F 15 community that held on to the way that, I don't know, it used to be, or they, I think they say like, you can be much more accurate with it is what uh, I've been told. I don't believe that at all, but it's like, <laughs> you just, you like this harassment program we need to do. Cause I did the, a uh, weapon school WIC support F 15 uh, you know, red air, uh, support. And I was like, that was the most excruciating for a TI debrief, the most excruciating uh-huh. debrief I think I've ever been in where they, 
you know, you have to get literally all your data for every minute so they can ask you if that's as depicted, as depicted, as depicted as they draw and recreate this whole fight. Yeah. Like I'm wherever you want me to be. Put me on the board. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. where I was. Yeah, I don't know where I am. So yeah, sure. Yes. Did you receive a kill? Sure. Yeah. I sure. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh. I, and I think it's because they don't, it's not even like just the little part of the fight. It's like redrawing the entire GPS God's eye view of the fight just with yeah. chalk. Right. Yeah. Which as you yeah. mentioned, does exist on the computer that's sitting no less than a foot away. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's crazy, but yeah, you know, I, the thing I'm excited about is, uh, you know, all I got to worry about is some air to air missiles and, uh, and the BFM seems like it's pretty, it's a lot more difficult, uh, just because it's like any given day, like you're, you're better or worse than the other guy where in the F-16, it was like pulled to the limiter getting like the jet will give you as much as the jet can Where yeah. here. It's like, if you ask for too much, the jet won't give you anything. So you have to like ease off to allow the jet to do the things because again, like the wing is no longer doing the stuff it you want it to do. So you got to give it like, give it less AOA. That is pretty Mm -hmm. cool. I wanted to jump back to the chalk because I've bitten off on this, but I think it's a good parallel between what you, what you're doing at the Kodiak shack and innovation. I think I might've mentioned it. I mentioned the fighter pilot podcast. They had a DARPA guy on there and he was, he asked Jello, he's like, Hey, how many traps do you have? And Jello, just like any naval aviator, knows exactly how many traps he has because it's a point of pride. And I get it. That sounds terrifying and that's a tough thing to do. But his argument was like, if we could leverage technology and we make it easier to land on the boat, like you obviously still need to know how to land on the boat. But if it's the point where it's a non event and it's just putting your pants on to go to work could you take all that time you focus spending on landing on the boat and be a better, you know, fighter pilot of breaking things and killing things. Right. So that's the piece like, you know, there's ACMI, there's, you know, live reconstruction, all this technology out there is like, is it, I mean, is it valuable? Do you think to like, Hey, we need to chalk this all up. I know that's probably really ingraining it, but if you spent less time focusing on that, and more maybe on like what the capabilities of this missile might've done, yada, yada, yada. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? I know innovation is kind of your thing. Yeah. And I think the, the biggest thing, and I think that we do this in a lot of communities, you know, whether it's a fighter community or in the fighter community in different platforms is what is the desired learning objective? You know, is our desired learning objective to, and is it make you more capable at your job? Then maybe you keep it. But if it's, the DLO is we've always done it this way. So we're going to keep doing it this way. Then it doesn't make sense, you know, because like you said, like leverage technology to allow you to do, you know, the, all of these things, like the fight's not getting any easier. So let's use the technology to help us land on the boat so we can spend more gas training or use data analytics on our flight tracked GPS lines to tell us where to focus our debrief. So instead of a four hour D like BFM, instructor pilot upgrade debrief, you spend 20 minutes each set because it literally helps you focus your efforts into those areas. It doesn't alleviate you from providing instruction. It helps you focus your instruction or red six, like you can get more reps and more blue air looks because you have technology helping you. So I think it's more, what are we gaining and what are we losing from the technology? And if we're still, if we're better at our job at the end of the day, then use technology all the time, I say. 
But yeah, but knows? keep the chalk. But keep the chalk. Yeah, well, obviously. You we can't keep the chalk. Yeah. yeah, I say I say all that to say <laughs> chalk stays. <laughs> you just, the, we'll uh, just get rid of the, white, the whiteboards. Keep the chalk. Skip right. the whiteboards. Go to ACMI. Yeah. You can tell you can tell it's like a an age thing. It's like there's some older C model dudes who to this day still only use chalk for their boards. And then there's like the younger guys, probably like a couple of years younger than us, that are like chalk is dumb. So you can yeah. see like in the next few years, you know, I'm not sure which will end first, the C model or the chalkboard, but uh maybe they'll go at the same time. But yeah, it's uh it's on its way out because the younger guys are they're not sold on the chalk, you know. I think about that with our our briefing all the time because you know we all three of us would probably design a very similar board, and a similar like setup and flow and cadence to our briefs, you know. Yeah. And we draw like these really specific pictures to show a very specific example, and I'm like, that eh, I don't know. Like it feels good as the instructor to like be able to do that. You're like, yes, like, that was awesome. Yeah. But I've sat in a lot of briefings and I never ever care like about that you know what i mean like that's not what I'm, I'm like thinking about something else like how am i not gonna screw this up or like anyway i i think and i've seen a couple guys doing the f35 but we have all this great footage of like actual missions where we're doing this thing you know what i mean a brief should just be like let's pull up yesterday's like lines and video and like you know what i mean like this is exactly yeah. what it's gonna look like because this is exactly what we did yesterday and these are what the emitters look like. This is what your weapons page is going to look like. And let's just spend 45 minutes and watch yesterday's fight. You know, I'm like, that would be way better than, you know, than what we put ourselves through. I think our, I mean, definitely fighter pilot briefings are, you know, a pretty high standard. I think they're awesome. But I do think that we are not as good or it could be better. There's so much technology, so much data out there that we don't even touch, you know, that we probably could be using yeah it seems like there's a little bit of a haze or like that's the way it, it's always been so in order to prove yourself like it's tough it's tough to brief it's tough to debrief and so being able to do that and going through that process again kind of it's like all right hey this person meets the merit to at least be standing on the stage to go out there and do it but it does seem like it it's somewhat antiquated or it could incorporate new things or embrace yeah, the world has evolved, the planes evolved, technology evolved. So maybe it should adjust somewhat. I go back to Cash Young, who was my DO when I showed up, and the dude was like weapon school instructor of the year, like twice while he was out in out at 16th. And great dude. I learned so much from him and just the very like he was very brief and to the point with nearly everything. Like his debrief might have been 30 minutes, and like in that 30 minutes. He can capture all the highlights and you're not jabbing a pin in your eye and you walk away with there like some like good lessons learned. But I do remember, I think he was big like on shot doc, which was like, you know, guys would go through the, their shot doctor. So again, for those listening, like depending on the mission you're going out there today to do the threats, how many missiles you have, how many planes you have, like your shot doctor and like when you're going to start shooting enemy planes at range would vary. And the flight lead, was responsible for briefing what the game plan was or what the game plan is and when you're going to start shooting at what different points, but it can get like not complex, right? But it's something it can be different from person to person day to day. And there are reasons why that would be valid, but his like, you know what? Like once a missile start flying and like, you're really doing this, like, are you really sitting there waiting to like, okay, 
not yet, not yet now, you know, like, <laughs> you know, comms are screaming. You're trying to stay informed. I don't know. Again, it's changing too, just in the, you know, four years since I've really been gone. Now Bender's really again out there just solving complex problems, you know, things that I can't yeah, even imagine. Are. It's pretty <laughs> complex spear. out there. <laughs> Dip the spear. Well, I, I think so. one of the, the things of it, and I know we were all that flight lead upgrade student who's sitting there trying to brief something you don't understand. And as, and then on the <laughs> yeah. other side, BIP, looking at the, the, like the flug upgrade E and you're like, he does not understand what he's talking about right now. And so I think there's some goodness of like making them do the dog and pony yeah. show, especially in upgrades. Cause that like, it helps you understand where to focus your instruction. It forces them to try to understand these complex things. But I agree. I mean, McIntyre, I think the weapons school, like I know a lot of places use like, uh, like a BRI, like a blended, uh, like debrief or brief tool that is like snippets of the actual displays in the aircraft. So it's not your or my drawings that are like maybe 80% true to life. They're actually much more realistic. It's the real thing. So you're like, this is exactly what it looks like. Kind of like what you're saying. Like, I know this to be true because it's from the airplane, you know? It would be cool if the missing planning software was so like quick that you could actually go out there like with like the threats you're expecting and maybe recreate a radar snapshot that, you know, and like bring that in the brief. However, that would take you probably two weeks to do maybe. And then you wouldn't be able to get to whatever computer and yada, 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 like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so, oh, this was one of the things you guys will, will love to hate this. So I, when I picked up the seed, uh, seed top off course at Holloman, I would, I roll in and I was like, all right, let's see these scenarios. And the scenarios are, uh, they're fighting IHawks, which is a U.S. surface-to-air uh, missile that they produced and they sold to other countries. So this is their primary longer-range threat was the IHawk. And I was like, not yeah. like any Russian-made <laughs> SAMs or anything. Uh, and, and so I was like, all right, we're going to update it to like today's current baseline. So I go in and I'm like, all right, how do I build a scenario? And they're like, oh, it's really easy. You can build it in your jumps in the squadron. Or you can build it here. You have like your jumps interface, like your mission planning interface. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I get get a, a login. I access it and I build it. And they're like, okay, now all you have to do is build a threat entity simulation, a TES, I think is what it's called, um, which you've allocated everything. But now you have to actually make these simulated threats associated with everything you built and then merge those things to then make them operate. And so we do all this, which takes literal months, like two and a half months to do. And then I finally start running the scenarios and standard because I throttled up the threats to the actual threats that they're going to fight when they get to the calf. None of them worked. It was like hit or miss. They maybe turn on, maybe they wouldn't turn on. And uh, (laughs) so we had all these like scenarios that literally took months to build that didn't work. And I was like, this is my nightmare. Because I can't, like, if you went on DCS, like Digital Combat Simulator, an amazing thing. You could go out and never having used it before, build a scenario and fly a scenario in a day. And that would be as good of training as going into our, like, $7 million simulators and do that. And I think that's that's our problem. Yeah, that's crazy. And you, if you wanted to bring DCS into, uh, you know, a simulator in the squadron, like, let's, you know, forgo classification issues 
like just to go out and buy that and buy the equipment to make a simulator, like good luck. I don't know. Like, you know, like I know you're familiar with the process. Like I, as a one each, I would say dude, who's not familiar with procurement things. I, I would say that would take years and maybe not even come out fruitful. We, we tried exactly that. We tried to buy the, the engine, which I believe is a correct term, like the, the pretty much the core of the software and then make it our, like our own and then have somebody build onto it what we wanted. And it was a non-starter. They were like, Nope, not a chance. And we were okay. Even though people are using it, um, a tens, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but they use it because they're eight tenths and they're like, this is the best simulation. But I flew an F-16. It's so accurate. <laughs> it, it literally, literally is. I flew an F-16 in DCS and uh, I was like, this is legit. Like it was very nice, but we we won't see it. And if you talk to anybody in the like acquisition space, they're like, oh, you don't want that. And then they try to funnel you into this other program that's trash um, that you'll spend just as much money on to not get good training. And you're like, okay, well, we're just stuck. Well, on that note, you know, that's not that was, good news. It was fun. It was fun talking, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll figure it out. Maybe. Well, that's Red Six. Red Six can can yeah. fix no, that stuff. Kodiak you know? Shack. Kodiak Shack has solutions for all these problems. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I, mean, I mean, I'll say. I mean, I know General Brown. Like, what was his like innovator die letter? But I saw a couple blips pop up last day or two about things again with just not being agile and responsive, you know, we have all these systems and procurement, you know, rules, laws, yada, yada, yada. It just goes on and on and on that just makes it so cumbersome to do anything. But you know, like China, obviously whatever they need to do to win, they're going to go out and we want this. We're just going to do this. Like there's no, yeah, there's, there's no stopping them when it comes to that. Right. If, if they want to do it versus like, I don't know, you want to do something. Yeah, Good I- luck. They're, they're, they are pushing towards that and they are, they are trying to make people innovate, get around these like, uh, classified silos and, and make people share. Cause the, the easiest way to keep your information safe is to never share it with anyone. So that is like most of our classified program managers are just like, you just never get to see or, or interact with this data. And then it's safe. What we're seeing right now is some of the primes that have these massive contracts that some of our innovation companies, they need access to it. Cause obviously the prime owns the information right now. They won't let those companies access the data because it's not in their best interest. So like right. Apex is not going to be like, sure, just have all the data you want from our PEX like database. So you can replace us in the future. So companies that are like trying to work in the space of like scheduling or mission planning in the vault or that they don't have to participate. There's nothing in their contract that makes them. So that's going to be a definite challenge is as these programs hit commercialization, like how are they actually going to be utilized? Because sometimes they run into a brick wall because they just can't access uh, the software, you know, that they need to actually be useful. Yeah. These are, these are complex problems, but it really, it it should be, but I know it's, it's more than, more than just saying, Hey, go do this deal with again, laws yeah. and proprietary information. And obviously it's competition. So I don't know. Well, and they can always fall back on their contract and say like 
two-star, three-star, four-star general. Nowhere in our contract does it say we have to release this information to anyone other than us. Because just like we saw with F-16 operating systems, like we pay another, like we pay an organization to build our operating system. So we're at their whim, which now we own it. So we get to do whatever we want with it. So I don't want it to be all downer though. There's some cool stuff going on out there. Yeah, for sure. It'd just be nice that like, let's say, I know scheduling always pops up. At least that's the bane of most people's existence in the fighters or the, it's definitely the bane of the scheduler's existence. And a lot of time gets sucked into that. And there are certain programs that have to be utilized because that's, what's been purchased that just don't do what people need to, or it just takes an excellent amount of time. But if like another product popped up like, Hey, you know what? This one actually could be better if we went this route and like gave them the opportunity or had the ability to, to switch contractors like on the fly or at not these lengthy contracts. I don't know. Yeah. You guys are smart. And we're seeing that very smart. We're, we're seeing that now. I mean, we're seeing bases as individual squadrons are like buying different programs like, uh, the automated scheduler from ops lab or uh, duality. They're working on scheduling for like missile silos. So like individually squadrons are tackling this problem. Uh, I think the, the big hurdle is like, when do you stop funding the prime that gets the big yeah. money and then start replacing it because none of these programs fully repra- replace a prime. Like it doesn't do, you know, the interaction between the, the arms, which is the, you know, the, uh, like the flying tracking program. So there's no interface between them. So that that's like another thing. Uh, so none of these programs are like fully replacing a prime right now. Uh, so that's, the question is, how are they going to make that transition uh, and do it smoothly? Because right now, that is that is still unfigured out. I know. I don't know you want to keep this positive, but here we go. Because you're, like, <laughs> you're just starting your reserve time. I don't think Bender has to mess with UTAPs at all. That's how you, you, know, you put your... I did when I was... Yeah. When I was a part-timer, I did it, Shaw. Yeah. Like, jab a, jab a pin in my eye. Like, I'm like, all right, I got to use this computer to log in and do it. And then I got to go to this computer and got to use this browser to do this. Like it takes hours to put in something just to be able to go to work on orders, which is super frustrating. But here's a little gem because I think Bender missed this since he's been on, been on orders. But the uh, they sunset, you know, Internet Explorer that went away. I know you guys probably everyone in the world's aware of that, but he uses Internet Explorer. Well, I'll tell you, who uses it, United States Air Force and UTAPs. Oh, no. And there's like, hey, we got all these like special workarounds. Like you gotta go in here and do this to this browser and then go over to this browser and do this. Like it's, there was like no plan, like, Hey, it's sunsetting, but yeah, we don't have a plan in place to have a new program that one that could be, I mean, I don't know coding, but I probably could come up with something after watching some YouTube videos. It might be better, but the fact that you're like, Hey, like it's just these simple things like these programs and this technology exist in the public space that could be utilized and just like, Hey, we're going to change the logos and Oh yeah, you need this and that. Like we'll change the, the funnels of how these lines are going to run in the code and off the races you go. It's like dealing with web developers. Like I think build an awesome website and change this and this around really quickly. Like, I don't know. I just, we use software so much in our day to day. And it seems like that is a recurring theme outside of the jet to be a bane of existence. This is a huge time suck. Well, the, it's embarrassing. I, it's freaking humiliating. Our com, our <laughs> IT is—it's it. so embarrassing. Yeah, like, it's shameful. 
is I got a new computer like three days ago and I like docked it. It took me like seven days to finally like get the thing to recognize the domain or whatever, all this bullcrap security stuff. And then I like go to open up Outlook and it's like, oh, we didn't put Microsoft Office on that computer. Why? <laughs> yep. like, it literally has no other programs on it. Like, what do you think I'm going to use this for? Like, well, did you want Microsoft Office? Like, yes, I freaking want Microsoft. Like, I want PowerPoint and Outlook. That's it. Just put it on. Yeah. Like, okay, it's going to take three more days or whatever. Like, oh my gosh, this is this is oh. not science fiction. I mean, yeah. it doesn't <laughs> yeah. even make. But I mean, it's it's bad. If what you, the, uh, we should I, take every congressman and every senator and replace all their IT with Air Force <laughs> IT. Like, give us you know ninety billion dollars to figure this out, uh, and then you don't get your new computers until like you got to work on our computers basically until you give us the funding. Well, you, well, they actually changed that. So now, because there used to be a requirement in, um, that any computer bot had to go through com and com had to like buy the computer out and they realized that com didn't know what they were doing for the most part. So they, now you can just buy it. Like you can go on GSA and just buy whatever computer. So if you, if your squadron has the cash and they're like, everybody gets like a sports car laptop. Cool. Buy them. Like you're not in trouble for that. But the, uh, they are, uh, it's not just calm though. Like, Oh, I was so mad. So we're, we're, I'm coming up here on training orders. So I'm in the air national guard and I'm on training orders. And then before I was on these orders, I was on temporary AGR. So I was just a temp AGR, which is like a full-time active duty person. You're just in the card. Um, but my temporary AGR orders ended on the second and my, uh, training orders started on the third and so I had that the second was the day they did not overlap. So for 24 hours, I was not on orders. So I was out of everything. Deers. I was like, I got emails uh, from the VA because yeah. they're like, hey, hey, oh, good, like a, a, what is it? A good start or ready start or whatever. Yeah. So I, I had to call Deers. I'm driving up here, call Deers, which is like the manage your dependents. And they're on the third and say, Hey, I'm actually on orders. And they're like, Oh, you are. We'll reactivate your account. And they're like, make sure you call TRICARE. Cause obviously we won't. And then I call TRICARE and they're like, Oh yeah, well you guys are like getting pulled back into the system. None of your pre-setup things still exist because you were out for an entire day. Uh, and I was like, <laughs> cool. Why wouldn't this be the case? You know, yeah. they can erase Just, things really fast. They can't load them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was some guy who was telling a story that, um, he was on an AGR tour and this is off a of Facebook post for my current job, but he switched that job got divested. And so he got hired at a new unit. Well, he owed like $17 and call it 69 cents off a travel voucher. You know, again, that didn't get processed and you know, like how you even get notified for it. But since that job went away, like it closed, like they had no access to any of his accounts, which I now understand because when I moved jobs, it was like I was brand new to the Air Force, even though I was still in the <laughs> reserves. I had to I, like, like, yeah, you need a, it's like 17 pages of financial documents. You have to spend I'm like, you don't need this, do you? You already have all that. I'm like, oh, no, sir, we need all that. I'm like, it's literally the same bank account you've been paying me since I was in college. Like no yeah. change. <laughs> Like, sir, we need all that. I'm like, God, how, how broken is this? So now this, this is why it makes sense. Like his job goes away. He moves, he owes $17 and 69 cents. Well, they DFAS 
tried to reach out to him multiple times. That's the finance people. And they sent him to collections. So he went to collections. And by the time he found out about this is when the collectors are calling and he gets in touch with DFAS and they email him what they have been mailing him. And so he goes, where, you know, he's like, where did you mail this to? He's having the lady on the other line read it. She goes like reads the address. He goes, okay, where did you mail it? And she reads it again. She's getting irritated. He goes, you mailed it to yourself. And she like, it took a minute for her to realize that they, they deep asked, they didn't have his address. So they like auto generated this and then were self mailing themselves. <laughs> this guy's balance, you know, and you're like, and I guess that could Tax happen anywhere, but, but you're like, yeah. And that's when he was like, yeah, we want more government to solve our problems. I'm like, yeah, no, no, you, uh, being a part of a fighter squadron when you walk in at the end of the year and there's all these flat screen TVs because they had to spend all the money and you're like, yeah, this is probably one when of the that, highest functioning organizations in the DOD. And here we go. And that's one of the worst parts is it's not even, uh, we were talking to, uh, I think it was, um, it was, it was very minimally, but we were talking to slander in time about kind of spending yeah. money. And because there's different dollars can be spent on different things. So you're like, Hey, we want to buy, innovation stuff. We want to buy human performance stuff. Like we all have back problems. Let's get something like a game ready. And they're like, ah, you can't spend that money on that. You have to spend it on like office equipment. And so they literally force you just to waste it or lose it, which talking again, talking to slander, uh, you, no one's just going to let that money go because someone else is going to allocate that money to their own Veridesks and big screen TVs. Right. So, you know, and they're going to look like the <laughs> yeah. shiny pen. <laughs> the is uh, awesome, yeah. If I could go back five years, I'd invest in Veridis. Dang it. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> One of those missed opportunities. There's still time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there's gonna well, be I know we've been like right? what's that? Oh, oh I was gonna say there's next year there's gonna be end of year funds again. So uh yeah. the, you know, you gotta more get the chance. Yeah, most yeah, of the best on top of each other. Yeah. <laughs> it was super tall. Yeah. The, uh, well, oh, Rain, I gotta, I gotta tell this story cause I've been waiting probably, uh, over a decade now to tell this story. Oh man. This, uh, so yeah, everybody who's heard, say. heard Rain's, uh, background. So obviously he was a fape. Bender was a fape as well. They were, they were, uh, Bender was Ram back then. Uh, and then Rain right. was muddy. And, uh, which I have to say, both of you totally good dudes as the student going through, um, everybody was like, oh, they're, they're cool IPs and CFs. So, uh, I'm but. one of the first people, you know, and it's not even a, but it's actually very funny. Uh, but, uh, there's the, but the, so I'm one of the first people to go through, uh, pre-contact. And at the time there was like a pre-contact check ride. You have like six flights in the airplane or something It's very, you're very young, uh, in the airplane. Yeah. And so I fly my pre-contact with rain and, uh, and I fly my final contact with Bender at the time. Um, but so I like meet up with rain, we go fly the sortie. And before we do this sortie, they're like, Hey, we just changed the grading system. Like it used to be like the higher, the number, the better, the score. 
And now it's like lower the number, like it's like golf, you know, if you got a zero E, it'd be a perfect sortie, you know? So I'm like, all right, cool. So low number's good. Low number's good. So I go out and fly and rain's quiet. Like he just, you know, I mean, cause theoretically that's what's supposed to happen. I'm supposed to just fly the airplane. He's supposed to observe. And we get back and he asked me some questions and he was like, cool, man. Yeah. See ya. And I was like, all right, sweet. You know, went pretty good. So, uh, so obviously my entire class like crowds around because I'm the, like the first one to go through and do my check ride. And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, gosh, this isn't man. I'm like counting. I'm like one, two, three. And then it's like 25, 26, 27. And then I keep counting. It's like 32, 33, 34. And I get a 34 G and uh, like my whole class watches me get a 34 G and they're like, how'd you not hook? And I was like, I don't know. Like I, he was such a good dude. He wouldn't hook me. And one of the dudes in my class was like, Hey man, good job. <laughs> I was like, thank you. But, oh man. It was so, it was just comical. Cause I was like, Oh man, I just got destroyed on that one. But it cracked me Look up, but super know. nice. Seafy. Yeah, nice. that's right. Super nice. <laughs> I, I remember those days. Cause it was like, uh, yeah, normally that probably would have been like a, a three, like a four G or, you know, like that, like if it was like a one, two or three, that'd been an E then like a three, you know, three, four, like somewhere there. Like that's kind of like the normal score you've gotten, which is all like make believe. Cause if you look at everyone's grade sheets, they switched it. So for those listening, like basically you got unsatisfactory, satisfactory, fair, good, excellent. And that's where the G or the E comes from. If they failed the check ride to be a U and the number of downgrades, meaning how the number that are not excellent. So if you got a good instead of excellent, that's one, then another mark, whatever. Uh, but I remember like there was a lot of consternation because again, like you're hearing the other classes like, oh, dude, you got 34 G like he's terrible. Like that yeah. would never <laughs> happened beforehand. But I remember I, I flew with one girl. And it was the worst check ride I ever did. Like it was just, it was heinous. She tried to go wrong way in the pattern. Da, 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 da. I think it was like a 70 something 75. It was like, it was out. I mean, it was the most, but it was just so bad. Like I hooked her on multiple items. You try not to do that. Like just compounding. Right. But like, it was so bad and so unsafe and several different categories. And I remember like standing at the crew bus Cause I was like, try to be nice, kind of ease the tension there a little bit. I know there's some nerves. So, like before we went to fly, I'm like, yeah, what do you want to do? Like, you know, want to go fly E10s. It's prior enlisted. And so you're trying to, okay, cool. And then this, yeah, the sortie did, did not go towards like, Hey, you're going to track T38s. Uh, this is kind of done now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, some people, you know, that straight up, you're like, nope. Not gonna I, I think, I think when I told her, uh, that she didn't pass and for the number of reasons she didn't pass. And then I'm sure, I guess, you know, like every student goes back and sees their grade sheet and counts what they got. Cause sometimes you got told, like ever my pre-contact was with con or no, con, it wasn't with con Crycheck, but I went back to the flight room cause he was a fape, like the oldest fape in existence. And he's like, what'd you get? I'm like, I don't know. He just said, good job. And then he like pulled it up and then like went to count it. But um, I'm probably, sh I'm sure I didn't tell her, Hey, that's going to be a 75 U or whatever. It was <laughs> yeah. like she found out afterwards and Carl Miller that's was like her, one of her instructors. And he's like, dude, you just destroyed that. And I was like, 
it was really bad. It was really bad in so many different ways, but yeah. here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, for everyone. No, I, that was, uh, <laughs> it was good. I had, I mean, that's what pilot training's for. Like it's, it's to be like graded and judged and stuff. So, I mean, I understood it and it was one of those at the time where I was like, Oh, kiss fighters goodbye, you know, but turns out it worked out. So, uh, but yeah, it was, well, hopefully the yeah, getting that was like a transition. Like, but I imagine you're I, obviously going to Vipers right out of pilot training, going to the 38. It wasn't like there was a bunch of 38s and Vipers just sitting around when you went through. Everyone else's scores, you know, mirrored that grading system, hopefully. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I definitely, I was definitely a slow boil. Like, I, I think I started out T6s on cap. Like, I was, I was not prepared because <laughs> it turns out I didn't actually have any academic challenges before pilot training. So it was definitely, Oh, okay. I, I, this is not easy. So it, it took a little while, but yeah, it, I think I got a little lucky with people who could have gone 38s wanted T ones. And I was like, sure, you know, but yeah, it, it worked out. I think I had the exact out. opposite happen in 38s. I got a four U. Uh, and I was like, well, that, at least it was a low number, but, uh, yeah, it was, <laughs> I, I didn't meet the climb out and he hooked me because it was the, the departure restriction of like 7,000 by this radial. And I was like, who even knows that? But yeah, yeah got that's, good. that's probably, you're probably used to going straight to the airspace right off the end of the runway. And the one time you have to fly the arc or something. Well, yeah. it was legit. Like all my Real. check ride. Uh, yeah, there was clouds at 5,000. My buddy, a butcher baker, who's awesome. He's, uh, he's doing an exchange to England now. He's, uh, he might be an astronaut. He's a test pilot, but he, uh, yeah, he overshoots on the rejoin out of traffic. And so I level off cause obviously, and I don't make the radio call like, Hey, you know, departure leveling off at 5,000, not going to meet the climb restriction. Uh, and so I fly a good sortie aside from the climb out. And it was like, well, you're going to see that one again. And then my oh, flight man. commander was like, what happened? Like, <laughs> so he literally made me pass the 7,000 feet and he's like, I got the jet. And then I didn't do anything. I just sat in the front seat for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, Hey, fly. if you do it exactly like this, it'll take 15 minutes and then I get to fly the rest of the mission. <laughs> just do it. It's like best for everybody used to fly together. Yeah. What's that? Those were good times. Yeah. I'll say yeah, but me and Bender would always fly together and we'd take the jets for like the last like 15, 20 minutes of every sortie, which is probably not good, but you know, <laughs> made us better pilot. That's right. Yeah. We were honing our craft. Yeah. Yeah. Those kids didn't want to fly anymore. Anyways, they just want to fly. That's right. Well, especially on check rides. They were just like, yeah. take the plane. Like if the sooner <laughs> I can not possibly hook the better. Yeah. Oh man. 100%. I hooked my, I hooked my instrument right in T sixes, which and this could just be because I love my ego or whatever, but like looking back at like, I would have given myself like an excellent for sure. Like, <laughs> like I like slam dunked on this approach. I like made it all happen. I threw down my gear right before like crossing the, the threshold. I was like, nailed it. Like I just made that happen like super athletic. And then I, I get back and like, you hooked because you know, it wasn't all stable through miles before the final approach fix. And like, da da da. I've just been flying like that my entire career though. So now I'm like that, that he didn't get it. Like, honestly, he's a, yeah. he's a uh, <laughs> plant eater, if you will. I'm like, that's not how it should be. <laughs> you should be like, dude, that was awesome. I can't believe you made that approach happen. 
it wasn't <laughs> unsafe because he didn't take it from you. So again, that's yeah, what's like, all right, basketball or golf clap there. Like, I'm impressed. This guy's got it. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah I, got told, <laughs> I got told one time <laughs> that if you had any more closure, you would have overshot like on a rejoin. Cause I was just like screaming in there, just like, Wah! and then just like idle speed breaks, like, you know, and then just like parked it. And the instructor was like, yeah, that was, you got lucky. Like that was, that was not on purpose. Like, you got a great, yeah. Yeah. Look at me now. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh man. Well, sweet guys. I think, uh, I think this was successful other than my recording shenanigans. I don't think you're having any video on mine in, but you know, again, no one needs to see my face. A couple little slips here and there, but yeah, you know, what can you do? So parting shots. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to chat. We've been trying to make this happen for weeks, but, uh, but yeah, I'll have to, I'll keep, I'll keep you guys updated on the old F 15 CTX. Cause, uh, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans. I can already tell because I'm focusing more on shooting missiles instead of ground ops. So it's probably going to end poorly. We, we need to do a weekly debrief with uh, how's <laughs> how's it going with Vader? You know, like just like yeah. listen to what happened this week. I'm oh gosh, uh, oh yeah, Bender's kicked off. I think I'm by myself hopes. right now in the recording. <laughs> just, it's just going to be a. The monologue that doesn't make sense because there's like a third of the conversation. That's right. I will tell right, you cool. story. Just posted it as a <laughs> just his video where it's like smiling and occasionally laughing. <laughs> I need a screenshot just so I can have proof that there were other people here with me. Vader's lost his mind. Yeah, he photoshopped that eagle yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. cool get ready there's there's gonna be a lot of stories i guarantee it i assume knock on uh lumber there'll be there'll be some overgees so uh well yeah, we'll I talk about it's gonna be yeah. great <laughs> awesome see you guys uh, all right see you. well i hope you enjoyed this episode with vader and bender again jocko's episode drops on friday and that's available currently for patreon supporters and has been for about the past week if you're interested in supporting the podcast, swing over to patreon.com backslash the Afterburn podcast. As always, if you're willing to drop a rating review over on iTunes and Spotify, that helps the podcast out. We'll see you next time. The Afterburn podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain.